Welcome to First Do No Harm with Massachusetts Citizens for Life board member and physician, Dr. Mark Rollo. This broadcast will focus on medical ethics from a Catholic perspective and address abortion, physician-assisted suicide, contraception, natural family planning, IVF, healthcare proxy, and other topics. Please be advised that this show is not appropriate for children under 13. Hello and welcome back to First Do No Harm, a show about medical ethics from a Catholic perspective. I'm Dr. Mark Rollo. Some of the most miserable people I have known in my 35 years of medical practice have been those wounded by misuse of sexuality. Unwanted pregnancy, abortion, sexually transmitted disease, sexual assault, jealousy, anger, bitterness, abandonment, poverty of single moms who have been abandoned, fatherless children, children without mothers or fathers at all. This is the legacy of the so-called sexual revolution of the 1960s, and it has taken a terrible toll on our American culture as well as world culture. What's more, it has been promoted by the state this point has been made by Jennifer Roback Morse, Ph.D., in her excellent book, The Sexual State. I will be referring to her book often in this and subsequent shows. Another person to whom I will refer frequently is St. Pope Paul VI, who predicted all of the aforementioned misery in his prescient 1968 encyclical, Humanae Vitae. First, as always, let us begin with prayer. For as stated by the U.S. Catholic bishops, only with prayer, prayer that storms the heavens for justice and mercy, prayer that cleanses our hearts and souls, Will the culture of death that surrounds us today be replaced with a culture of life? O oh God, you created us to be your co-creators. Help us to appreciate this awesome gift of sexuality that you have given to us. Help us to treat this gift with the respect and care that it deserves. Help us to be always open to your creative power, Lord, and to realize truly that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse begins her book, The Sexual State, with a quote from St. Teresa of Calcutta. The greatest disease in the West today is not TB, not leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, 
and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. There is a hunger for love. There is a hunger for God. The book by Dr. Jennifer Roback Morris is about the ideology of the sexual revolution. She begins by telling three stories. Two are composite stories of many people she has known. She refers to these characters as Todd and Lynette. One is a story about an actual little girl by the name of Elise. The stories resonated strongly with me as I have heard variations of these stories many times over the years in my office as well as outside my medical practice. Elise is a six-year-old who lives with a grandmother and whose mother had a baby with someone other than Elise's father. I hate Thanksgiving. I hate it when my mom comes with her new baby and her new boyfriend. I don't feel like eating. Why do I have to live with my grandma? How come they are all fussing over that stupid new baby? Why doesn't my mom love me? Why does that dumb new baby get to live with her and I don't? I hate Christmas. And I could just bust up this idiotic Christmas tree. Why can't I go home with my mom? Why does that loser baby get to live with her mom and dad and I don't? I don't even have a dad, I guess. I hate all this baby-first Christmas crap. I don't care about any of the stupid presents. Where's my dad? Why doesn't he love me? Why doesn't my mom love me? Why doesn't anybody want me? My grandma's nice, I guess, but I want my mom. I'm mad at my mom, but she isn't here. She went back to her house with her boyfriend and their baby. Grandma's here. I'm going to make life hell for Grandma. I think I'll break something. Maybe scream. Maybe throw stuff. And maybe Grandma will tell my mom to come and get me and take me back to her house to live with her where I belong. Elise can't put all of this into words, of course explains Dr. Roback Morse. She expresses herself with her actions precisely because she cannot express her feelings with words. Her grandma, who is an acquaintance of mine, tells me that Elise is angry and acts out after every family holiday get-together. For about a week after family holidays, she wets her bed every night, every time. Todd is a 30-something 
pipe fitter whose wife moved out and left him with three small children to care for. I love my kids. I'd do anything for them. My wife left the family without a word, without any warning, four years ago. I had no idea where she was and did not hear anything from her. Now she has come back. She says she has found herself. She also found a new boyfriend who has a better job than I do. The kids are happy to see her, but they don't trust her love. They want to believe she will be there for them, but how can they believe it? She took me to court over custody. I worked up a whole detailed statement for the court. I explained why I should continue to keep the kids, stating that I am willing to give her reasonable visitation, explaining that we had no contact with her at all for four years. No birthday cards, no phone calls, nothing. The judge took five minutes to decide that the mother should have custody and I should get visitation. I have to pay child support. My ex-wife is not marrying the new boyfriend because she doesn't want his income to be counted. But she is living with him. My 12-year-old son is old enough that he can remember when his mom used to live with us. He said, Dad, I hate it that mom is in bed with another man. You should be in bed with her. My 8-year-old daughter lost her appetite and is losing weight. My younger son is angry at school. The teacher called me and said that he is acting up at school. I told him I couldn't do much about it. He is living with his mother now. I tried to talk to my wife. I guess I should say his mother. She isn't exactly my wife anymore, is she? Anyhow, I tried to talk to her. She said not to worry. He will get over it. He will adjust. And he will be going to a new school soon anyhow. And everyone will forget all about him punching other kids and breaking stuff at the old school. I know real men aren't supposed to cry, but I am heartbroken and just plain broke, financially and otherwise. Lynette is a 50-something unmarried childless lawyer. I thought I could have it all. After all, the men get to be fathers and have careers. I poured myself into my career. I always thought I would get married and have children, but I wanted to pay off my law school debt and make partner at the firm first. By the time I did that, I realized I was almost 40, so I tried to focus more on dating and finding a husband. I really didn't want to be a single mother, and I really didn't want to go through life alone. So I created a six-month plan for finding a husband, but it didn't work out. I couldn't really find a suitable guy. I don't know why. When I was 40, I decided to do IVF, in vitro fertilization, with donor sperm. 
No one told me how unlikely a pregnancy is after you are over 40. After multiple cycles and two miscarriages, I finally gave up when I was 43. Only then did I find a study that said that women aged 41 to 42 using their own fresh eggs have only a 5.8% chance of having a live baby and that women aged 43 to 44 have a 2.7% chance per initiated cycle. The IVF clinic gave me higher numbers. Only after I read that study did I realize that their success rates were pregnancies, not live births. My two miscarriages counted as successes in their eyes. No one told me I would want a baby so much. It seems so unfair. Some of the men in my firm are fathering children even when they are my age, and the ones who aren't having kids don't seem to care. I looked at the childless men in my firm and concluded that having kids was an optional add-on to a successful life. I had no idea that being a childless woman would feel so different to me than being a childless man seems to feel for the guys. I'm seeing my sisters with kids who are pretty much grown up now. I see my younger relatives getting married and starting families. I used to look down on them because they were not ambitious about their careers or education. Maybe the joke is on me. My career is great, and I should be happy. But I feel empty. Here are a few more brief snapshots of people that Dr. Roback Morse knows. Everyone in this group has something in common. The depressed teenage girl who can't figure out why she's unhappy over her hookups. The adults in her life taught her that having as much sex as she wants would make her feel empowered. The college woman jaded about her sex life. She doesn't expect much in the way of attention or commitment. She only expects to be a friend with benefits. But she wonders why he gets the benefits and she doesn't get much friendship. The young man who doesn't want to be a player, he would like to have a relationship with a girl that isn't based on sex. But the girls around him seem to expect sexual come-ons from him. And the guys around him are strutting. He knows he isn't gay, but still, he quietly wonders if there is something wrong with him. The unmarried woman whose contraception fails. She would have preferred not to be a single mother. But the child's father won't commit, or is not a suitable marriage partner. She doesn't want an abortion. She wants her child. She was taught that as long as she used protection, she could have sex without negative consequences. The cohabitating woman who spends years in a relationship with a boyfriend who won't commit. The woman who had an abortion years ago 
all the reasons she gave herself for exercising her right to choose have come to sound hollow to her. No one takes her and her regrets seriously, not her counselors, not her friends, not her boyfriends, who all too often become ex-boyfriends, and sometimes not even her pastor. The woman who experiences side effects from her contraception, headaches, weight gain, loss of libido, and irritability are among the more common complaints. The less common problems are more serious, increased risk of heart attacks, strokes, glaucoma, diabetes, and cancer. Some of these so-called acceptable risks have been directly implicated in the deaths of several women. Yet, no one in power seems interested in justice for these victims. The man who literally believes he's entitled to sex. The college rapist takes the campus hookup culture one step further and just takes what he wants. The family of the pornography addict. They may lose their spouse, their parent, their brother or sister or friend who becomes increasingly unavailable to them and unrecognizable by them. The women and men with sexually transmitted infections, some of these infections are deadly. Others can cause sterility. All of them caused by non-monogamous sex on the part of one or both partners. This serious public health problem has increased steadily in the last 50 years. The man who discovers years after the fact that he is a father. Perhaps he learns that an old girlfriend had a baby and didn't tell him. Or she had an abortion and didn't tell him. In either case, he grieves the loss of his child once he learns about his or her existence. At the end of these vignettes, Dr. Roback Morris asks the question, What do all these people have in common? Answer, sex. However, not just sex, but the current culturally predominant view of sex. That view is that sex is about freedom and fun instead of babies and bonding. The result is a lot of hurting and lonely people. We are not only confused regarding the purpose of sex, we are confused about gender. Although gender ideology seems new, it has been with us a lot longer than you think. Here are a few examples related by Dr. Roback Morris. The cohabitating woman who would like to get married but who can't get her boyfriend to commit. Society has taught her that men and women are identical in their desires for sex, love, marriage, and children. She can't figure out why she wants marriage and children so much, and he doesn't. The married couple struggling because they've been taught that men and women are really the same, no differences worth mentioning. The man can't understand why his wife doesn't pursue him sexually and make him feel wanted. The woman can't understand why her husband doesn't talk to her more in the bedroom. Without realizing it, 
they are expecting the other to act and react as they would. They can't figure out why their sex lives are so complicated and unsatisfying. The children in schools that expect the boys and the girls to have identical needs for physical exercise or aptitudes for sitting quietly at their desks. The young woman who would like to become a mother, stay home with her children, and entrust herself to her husband to care for the family's financial needs. This woman finds it difficult to express these desires in public. The mother who does stay at home with her children and entrusts herself to her husband. When people ask her what she does, she says, I'm just a mom, as if that was nothing significant. She feels she is supposed to be pursuing meaningful employment outside the home, just like a man. Dr. Roback Morris concludes Chapter 1 in her book, The Sexual State, with this paragraph. There's a lot of angst in the 21st century West, in the richest, most technologically advanced society the world has ever known. We are rich, but unsatisfied. We pride ourselves on scientific sophistication, but we cannot face the most basic biological facts about our species. We are enamored of our social media, but we are alone more than ever. We have more sex with more people than any society in the history of the world, but we long for intimacy and true friendship. Most of us know there is something deeply wrong with our culture but we can't quite put our finger on what it is or what to do about it. In order to know what to do about it, we need to realize how we got here. Dr. Roback Morse gives three explanations. Number one, the separation of sex from childbearing, that is, the contraceptive ideology. Number two, the separation of both sex and childbearing from marriage, that is, the divorce ideology. Number three, the elimination of all distinctions between men and women, except those that individuals explicitly embrace, that is, the gender ideology, the contraceptive ideology, the divorce ideology, gender ideology. I believe that one flows logically into the next. Increasingly available contraception made sex outside of marriage more likely, and the resulting infidelity led to a dramatic decrease in intimacy and increase in divorce. Contraception also led to abortion as a backup for failed contraception. Sterility of sex fostered sameness between men and women. This coincided with a warped sense of feminism, which sought equity rather than equality. Sameness 
rather than complementarity. This is the current gender ideology. Gender confusion, which exists today. John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, reads this way. While he was in Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover, many began to believe in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all, and he did not need anyone to testify about human nature. He himself understood it well. The church Jesus left us also understands human nature very well after 2,000 years of experience and inspiration from the Holy Spirit. None of the developments of the last 50 years would have surprised the Vicar of Christ. In 1968, St. Pope Paul VI predicted it all in his encyclical Humanae Vitae of Human Life. Next time I will discuss this historic document and how our failures to heed its warnings resulted in the current cataclysm which mirrors the fall in the Garden of Eden. Until then, remember, we should always treat life with care and respect, and at the very least, we should first do no harm. First Do No Harm with Dr. Mark Rollo is produced at WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg. We are very happy to share it with other networks. Thank you for tuning in to First Do No Harm. Dr. Rollo welcomes your questions and comments. You may contact him at markrollo978 at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K-R-O-L-L-O 978 at gmail.com. Thank you, and until next week, remember, first, do no harm.